new on Curiosity Stream. With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And you captured a Confederate steamboat. We're taking the ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Show, the place where WEEI.com's Rob Bradford talks all things that interest him. Some of which you might just want to listen to. So sit back and soak in another episode of the soon-to-be award-winning show a whole bunch of people are talking about. Bradford Show. Here's Rob Bradford. Welcome to another edition of the Bradford Show, sponsored as always by Gould's Distinctive Clothing, the people who make me look so darn good. And today we are privileged to have a guest, a voice that you might be familiar with from his various radio appearances. Tori Lovello, bench coach, Boston Red Sox. It's perfect timing because it's Tuesday, so we can call it Tuesdays with Tori. Welcome, Tori. Good to be here, Brad. It's been a while. You're the second person on this team that's called me Brad. Can we start over? No. It's good to be here, Rob. It's been a while. The only other person, for some inexplicable reason, Brock Holt called me Brad, and, I, I, and, and, and you're the second one. So, um, but it's a, well, it's a second time for me too because I did that to you sometime in spring training. I really want to apologize. It's okay. I want to be referred to as R. Farnsworth Bradford from now on. That's my middle name. It makes me appreciably smarter right out of the gate. Are you related to Kyle Farnsworth? No, but I do have a Farnsworth t-shirt they were handing out at a Tampa Bay Rays game, uh, which I wear with great pride. So anyway, enough about me. Enough about me. And speaking of t-shirts, by appearing on this podcast, you will get an at Bradford t-shirt, uh, European cut. Um, so start working out now. Does that mean an extra large becomes an extra small? You got it. So we're going to talk about a few things. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is the tough decision that went into uh, designating Grady Sizemore for assignment. We talked a lot about Grady in spring training. He was the story of spring training, and I know we talked about the merits and how far he came. Uh, what did you see uh, from Grady as the season unfolded? 
you know, it, you're right. It, it was a really tough decision on all of us, and especially those that have known Grady all the way back to his days when he was with the Cleveland Indians. It, it was it was a tough, tough, tough day. Uh, what we saw out of Grady was a guy that started off slowly because of his his uh, inactivity over the past couple of years. He had a terrific spring where he got himself into working shape, um, and then it kind of stayed about the same. We were looking for a little bit more. We were looking for a little bit more um, production offensively. And, you know, in, in his defense, he, he took a lot of time off, and it was going to take a little while. I just think considering the circumstances with what we're going through offensively with this team, it was a situation where we needed a, uh, needed a change. You've been a player. You've been in part of, uh, player development. You've been coaching, major league coaching staffs, minor league coaching staffs. The whole thing with baseball is patience, and you say be patient, be patient. In Boston, the fans don't want to be patient, but it's a discipline, and, and so you get this far into the season. Is this, is this kind of the jumping off point where you say, listen, we, we want to be patient. We know it's been two years off, but it's the middle of June, and we kind of got to make our move now. Well, I think there's a variety of thoughts that went into Grady. It wasn't just offense. I mean, there were some other little things that were happening along the way where we felt like we had, um, you know, more of a chance with other players that were going to help us win baseball games, and that was the bottom line. And, and uh, yeah, you, you got to practice patience in this game. If you don't have patience, you don't have a team. You know, everybody's going to have those moments where they're they're going to hit a little downturn. But you know, like I said, it's just unfortunate that the team wasn't winning. If the t if if the team was winning the way we drew it up in spring training and we were pushing forward, Grady would have been a perfect piece. But we need a little bit more offense, and Brock Holt's emergence has certainly uh, played a factor in this decision. You know, you expertly uh, helped guide the Red Sox to a world championship from the bench coach's position, which well, the first thing, that's the first thing I want to ask. As a bench coach, do you strategically stand next to John Farrell to get more TV time, or is it, uh, is that, has that been a work in progress where you stand, uh, do you have one, one foot on stop of the third step? Well, how, do you feel comfortable where you stand as, as the bench coach for the Red Sox? I love your perspective. This is fantastic. This is the tough dugout. There's only there's a couple of views where you can see the field. The players block uh, most of the field because they're sitting on the benches right in front of the right in front of the screen. Uh, so there's one area where you can stand, and then we got to get out of the way, way of the players who are shifting on and off of the field. You know, John's a good-looking man, and I know that camera's going to find him. So I got to find a way to stand next to him. So I can get. A, you're right. I need to get a little TV time. So if if we just looked at the way that you guys stand, the chain of command for the Boston Red Sox would be you or John Farrell, Tori Lovello, and then Chris Cundiff, the batting, uh, the uh, the 44-year-old bat boy. Would that be fair to say? I like this show. I like where it's going. That's fair enough. And I mean, Cundy's right there. He's. He's stepping on our feet and uh, moving us out of the way, but he does a great job. He's been doing it quite a while. Well, it's something we can all aspire to. Anyway, let's, let's get back on point here. In regards to being the bench coach of the Red Sox, compared to last year, last year things fit, and we've had we had so many discussions about strategy, about what you can do here and what you can do there. Number one, this year the cohesion hasn't been there. There's been a lot of injuries, and also, just be honest, you've been offensively challenged. So when you're going through a game this year, is it a lot difficult than last year in trying to map things out? Uh, and trying to strategize like maybe you did last year? Last year was a pretty magical year because it seemed like every time we needed that big hit or we needed a, a big pitch or a big moment, the players responded and did well and did their job. So we came to expect that it was going to be the same this year. But I want everybody to understand this is a tough game, and the opposition has made some adjustments to our team. They understand a little bit more what the Boston Red Sox are about, and they've 
have kind of pushed us backwards a little bit, but we're trying to hold our ground. And, you know, during the game, what John and I talk about while we are on the third step, kind of pushing forward, we talk about just, uh, you know, sitting back, letting the players play, maybe jumping in from time to time when we feel needed. But by and large, these are pretty special players, and they're going to go out there and find their way. They're going to find their offensive approach. They're going to get that big two-out hit, and, and that's contagious. Once we, once we get that side of it rolling, we know the pitching has been outstanding, and we'll take our chances from there. What adjustments did other teams make? You, you, you made reference to that. Give me an example of something, an adjustment that teams are making to you that they didn't make last year. Well, they're controlling our running game. Uh, we've lost a little bit of team speed. We all know that with the players that are, that are absent this year and some of the players that are hurt, such as such as Shane Victorino. But I think we, uh, we're unable to move on the bases like we were last year. And teams come in here with their pitchers and catchers, guns ablaze and ready to go and stop us. And there's a strategy to that. That's a whole other topic. But they have made some adjustments there. I think some of the pitchers have figured out who to pitch around, who to, who to attack offensively, how to match up, and that's, that's credit to the managers and the pitchers that are going out there each and every day and competing against us. When you go into this year, uh, did, did that surprise you? Because you guys had a plan, you guys had a strategy, you wanted to hit the ground running, and then all of a sudden, you, did you realize, wait a second, teams are doing this differently, and wait a second, maybe we don't have the sort of weapons at our disposal that we thought we might in spring training. We knew that uh, we were going to be a little bit different team this year. I think last year we almost set the major league record for stolen base percentage. It was phenomenal. We were just so good at it. And as a result of losing some team speed, we knew if we were going to take that same route, it wasn't going to work and we were going to create some outs on the bases. But what we want to do is take advantage of the situations, just be a little bit sharper, a little bit better when called upon. So, you know, those middle speed guys that, that uh, might not be able to steal a base like Jacoby did last year, we're trying to take advantage of those key moments and key situations. And it's worked, but it's not as frequently. Uh, we knew we were going to be challenged there. We knew it offensively, we, we might not have had the depth and we're losing Mike Napoli to his injury. And look, his injury just wasn't while he was on the disabled list. He injured his finger well before that. He was playing through some pain. That hurt us. And with his health coming back, we know we're going to be a much better team. So the depth was also a question. And as we're pushing forward and getting guys healthy, we know we're going to be a better team. Give me an example of you pulling the strings. Give me an example. Give me a conversation that you guys, you and John, have had maybe in the last couple of games that might interest people um, in regards to strategy, uh, looking forward during a game, maybe something that worked, maybe something that didn't. Take me, take me behind the curtain. Uh, first and second the other day with Xander batting uh, with no outs. I think it was a tie game. Uh, it was late in the game, and uh, it was Jake Peavy's game, and we were talking about maybe bunting as it was developing, which means the first batter's on, the next batter's up, and we thought if it becomes first and second, what would you want to do? Is this a situation where you want to bunt? So pitch goes by, we, we kind of digest the thought, and then we start to spit some thoughts back and forth to one another as the pitch is going, going on to the batter before Xander. Uh, and we decided that Xander is too much of an offensive force. He's one of our leaders in on-base percentage. Once a swing of the bat, he can create three runs for us, and we're not a bunting organization. So we decided that through about four or five pitches to the hitter ahead of him, which was Brock Holt, who ended up getting on, that we weren't going to bunt. So when Xander's going up there, John knows well beforehand that we want to put three runs on the board, not just play for one. And it worked out? And it did not. So that is a situation where you kind of second guess yourself. But what we do in this game, we train ourselves to believe in our thought process, believe enough to say like we have just kind of figured this out well beforehand. It didn't sneak up on us. 
and live with the decision that's been made based on the based on the criteria that we made our decision on. What do you guys? What do you think you and John are better at right now than you were when you guys first started teaming up at the beginning of last year? Uh, knowing our personnel and understanding what they're good at, and what they're not good at. Uh, John, I feel like, does a very good job of controlling the, the pitching staff. He does. He and Juan are great at it, and I think that's more of his forte. Uh, and he he does a real good job with that bullpen. I think we've had to develop a little bit of uh, feel for you know maybe creating some sort of action offensively and maybe pulling back and letting the players play. But we know our players much better this year than we did last year. All right. Now, since it's uh, Tuesdays with Tori, we're going to go to uh, Twitter Tuesdays with Tori, and we're going to answer a question on Twitter here. And you're not you're not on Twitter, correct? I am not. Your wife is? She is not. Oh, why did I think she was? We're caught in like the 1990s. It's clear to me that we just can't figure this out. Before I get to this Twitter question, tell me the Twitter story that you had from the marathon. I was uh, mile marker 25, waiting for all the people that I knew that were running it, and the four people had passed me about a half an hour before the last gentleman that I was waiting for by the name of Rob Bradford. So I just casually was talking out loud and mentioning your name and the person next to me said, oh, I'm following Rob Bradford on Twitter. And they obviously said he's doing great. He just tweeted that he's never felt better. That was at the probably when he's getting the kisses uh, in Wesley, if I'm not mistaken, that's where it's at. Uh, he was doing great around mile five to ten. but. Around Heartbreak, just after Heartbreak Hill, maybe around uh, Boston College, the quote was, not doing well, aiming for a finish. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, here's a good one from Joel Trunfio. And I should, I should be able to pronounce this, but you're, you're Italian. Joel Trunfio. Trunfio. Okay. All right. Here's a question. How did you decide between throwing your hat or kicking dirt on Dan Bellino's shoes? <laughs> you know what? I, I tell you what. I felt like I was uh, in a pretty fragmented state of mind right there, and I just felt like that hat was going to take the brunt of my frustration. I, first of all, the, the, the truth of the story is that Dan Bellino and Jeff Kellogg just weren't giving me a satisfactory answer, and I felt like I was protecting the Boston Red Sox at that point in time where where David Price needed to be ejected from that game and, and it just didn't seem like we were treated fairly. David Ross lost the privilege of throwing inside that day once he did hit David. So I was sticking up for everybody and I just needed to clear the hat. Get the hat out of there it was the first thing on my on my list. I, it was in my hand and it was going down and going down quickly. When, so how long were you manager that game for? Four innings. Four innings. So now you turn over the reins to Brian Butterfield who was like Dennis Hopper in Hoosiers without the alcoholism. It, 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 you're sitting there for a while, and but it's only for like half half an inning, right? I mean, did you feel bad that Butter was only manager for half an inning? I, I think we did it the right way. We wanted to expose as many people the the managing aspects as we possibly could. And, you know, I, I got out of it quickly. Butter got out of it quickly, too. We wanted to pass it all the way to Colby. I got to be honest. Colby was the guy who took the top step. He was up there. He was he was up there talking with the, the cele whatever celebrities were in the first couple of rows. So I thought he made the most of the opportunity. Of the, of the four managers that day, four, right? Four, right? There was four of us. Yeah, you know, you can't blame him. He's a guy that's in the batting cage digging it out with the hitters. 
he finally gets a chance to step up to the top step, he didn't miss that opportunity. Well, that was a well-executed argument, I thought. Uh, was that the, your best argument? I mean, you've been a manager in the minors. Well, truth be told, in the minor leagues, uh, if you make contact with any part of the umpire, um, with any equipment or anything, it adds to your fine. So, you know, you're not making a lot of money in the minor leagues, and I figured I learned how to clear the hat quickly. So the thought was to get the hat out of my hand because I knew that I was frustrated. I didn't want to bump the umpire, which was which is absolutely inappropriate if you do make contact with the umpire. So get the hat out of the way, and the next thing I thought was just throw it down, and it was an immediate ejection from that point. Did you want to, did you ever think about doing the covering the base with dirt? That was a Billy Martin trick, right? That was. I think Don Zimmer might have done it as well here, but or, or grab the base and hurl it. It's. I mean, listen, you're not going to, you make enough money. You, it doesn't matter what you get fine. Well, it wasn't a home plate argument. So if you're at home plate, you're going to have that home plate access. If you're going to cover first base, it's going to be a lot of dirt and it's going to take a lot of time. you got to execute these things well and quickly and I've seen guys try to pick up first base and throw it and they can't even pull it out of the hole at first base because it's dug in there so well so I'm a bad back guy I'm a back patient I had back surgery I didn't want to spend too much time bending down trying to pull a base out probably would have beat me that's the best answer you've had yet very detailed and very accurate uh, before we leave are there any questions that you would like to ask me are you still running very little and I blame that all on on your team and my job Question number two is, what's the best method of travel that you've ever had from town to town as you're covering the Red Sox? Um, let, me, let me turn that question around on you, all right? And, and obviously, listen, as, as in my days as broadcaster, I've morphed into another medium. And there's only one way to travel when you do that, and that's on a team charter. So that would be the answer. I mean, you have fr for those who don't know, you had fried clams, clam chowder, and shrimp cocktail before wheels up. This is a reality. This is true, right? It's fairly true. Yeah, it's legal seafood. And they ha literally have my my favorite beer, which I have not touched. There with a lime, ready to roll. Uh, but I, I, you, you've seen me. I, I am just going to my seat, putting my head down. Is it awkward that I'm on that plane? For me, no. For others, yes. Really? So, oh, so, so there has been some rumbling then. Well, you switch hats. You go from being um, a guy that's be doing exceptional journalism and covering the Boston Red Sox for, for our, you know, making us all better and helping the fans understand to then all of a sudden talking about us on the air with some, you know, some other broadcasters. It's, it's maybe the same dynamic, but you switch hats and it throws people off. Who has the biggest problem with it? Um, Cundy. He's not on the play. Anyway, all right. Well, that's good. I'm glad we got to that. That was a good question because I was able to find out some information, which you know I'm very paranoid about that whole subject. I'm only kidding you. I think actually the people that know you love you. The people that don't know you should love you. People who hate me hate me, and that, that's not going to change. So, but everyone loves this podcast, and everyone loves Tori's, uh, Tuesdays with Tori. So, uh, thank you once again, and hopefully, we can do that once, once more in the future. I would love that, Rob Bradford. 
new on Curiosity Stream. With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And you captured a Confederate steamboat? We're taking a ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on Impossible Escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. 